welcome to Furt Focus. You're here with the team from Town Furt, Michael Smith and Jolly and Ludbrook. And today we have come across to Te Amutu, or more precisely, Parongia in the Waikato, to talk to Chris Raymer from Raymer Ag Services. Now, Chris bought a Tauenfurt back in November last year. And Chris, I believe it's a Tauenfurt Multi 4000. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Good as gold. So we thought we'd come across here because Chris has sort of advanced into the Tauenfurt pretty quickly. He's uh, certainly managed to grow the contracting side of the Tauenfurt business over the last nine months or so um, with some speed and is starting to see some uh, really good results with clients on farm and things. So, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. We certainly appreciate your time and you giving up uh, giving up that time to uh, to spend it talking to us, uh, to Mike and I, So and the audience at large, I guess, as well. So, listen, thank you very much. So, Chris, um, I guess give us a good place to start is to give us a background introduction into uh, where you've come from and what you were doing and how it came to pass that you ended up landing at the Tauenfurt back in November. We've been spraying urea um, for at least 10 years um, and using uh, different products with it and using mixing stations, pre-mixing and pumping into the sprayer and, and applying it. Uh, we found it works, it works, it's a little bit slow um, and not everyone has a mixing station or a mixing plant so we're having to move one from site to site and that takes two people to do that. Um, troubles with mixing as well, um, some products having fines in it, they don't like going through sprayers. So we sort of were looking for something better and, and faster, I mean a boom sprayer. And uh, the Waikato you can't run something much more than 18 metres with the contour um, of, a, of a physical boom. So um, we looked, we did, we did look at putting rosettes on the end of the booms to go wider but that's another whole setup completely um, that didn't solve the issue of mixing. So yeah we, we sort of looked at the toe and fur um, and, and it was the right fit so, so we yeah, jumped into that. Yeah, good stuff. So you've obviously seen some results then prior to jumping into Tarnfurt with the liquid foliar application of those products. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because you've been doing it for quite a long time compared to a lot of people who are really jumping into it for the first time even now. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, we're, we're believers in foliar application. It was just the actual application which was the hard part. Um, yeah, we've seen great results. Uh, the guys talking, you know, of clovers making a good resurgence in their pasture, and being able to use less, less of of the urea was a was a major. And it sort of it's come and gone, and then sort of swings back again. We've noticed it's sort of a bit of a wave. Um, so, I think sorry, when you say wave, you're talking about customers and customers. clients coming in, right? Okay, yeah. So yep. carry on. And and the workflow. Um, and then and some people sort of think, well, I'll start doing it myself. Yeah, then they try it for a year, then they give that up, and then they go away from the concept altogether. Then they, they notice things not as good as they were, so they, they, they come back to foliar spraying, but they, they want a contractor to apply it for them. So, yeah, that, that's where we sort of come in, and, and I think the prices of, of fertiliser going up is, is a major, major driving factor. Um, where if we can get away with 40 to 50 kilos of urea, um, and get the same same response, if not better. And I think, as of late, it's it's more soil health that people are looking at also. Um, so it's not just the benefit of how many kilos of um, dry matter of grass you've grown. It's it's the the beneficiary uh, beneficial results in your soil improving. 
And you would have seen that prior to the move to the Tarnford as well, wouldn't you, obviously, with uh, on-farm through the boom sprayer application event? Yes, yes, yep. Yeah, we, ju- we just needed a way to get it on quicker. So we weren't, weren't slogging away for a couple of days on a farm. We want to be in and out in a few hours, uh, especially, you know, farmers are busy. They uh, can't have every gate on the farm open all day, every day. Um, especially in the spring, you've got cows and calves going, going everywhere. So we can, now we've got the time for it, we can come in and hit those selected paddocks and, and be in and out in, in an hour or two, yeah. And Chris, you're using, obviously, folia on your own farm. Can you tell us a bit about the farm that you're uh, involved with? Uh, yeah, so it's a 93 hectare effective farm, mostly flat, rolling, um, very very sandy soils. So I think um, putting urea out as a solid, it's very easily very easily taken away, it's gone. So uh, since moving to folia on those sandy flats, uh, big difference. We, you find just the leaching, I think, is, is the biggest biggest reason that going to foliar on that sort of ground. You've been doing that for how long on that farm? Uh, this is our third season. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we have dabbled a little bit with it. Since putting the toe infert, I, I don't know what's different, but using a toe infert seems to work better going foliar. I'm not sure why. <laughs> don't ask yeah, me why, but it works. There, there's a number of theories around that, and I think I must emphasise. I think they are theories, but it's droplet size, Mike. Is that uh, is that something that droplets, we've sort of come across? Yeah, droplet size and concentration. Because yeah, in a mixing station, to do it economically, say within a 24-hour period, you sort of got to go two or three or four liters of water per kilo u- urea. Whereas in the time fit, we're doing it a two-to-one ratio. So you're not getting the plant's not able to absorb as much moisture to get the nutrients. So that's by having a more concentrate, um, which also has its limits as well, because if you push the concentration too far one way, you'll get leaf burning. So it's just understanding where that limit is at certain times of the year. In terms of what you're doing on your farm then, your urea, you mentioned uh, before we came on air here now, um, another sort of mix or an additional sort of products that you're adding to the tank. Can you tell us a little bit about those and what you're adding and why? Yeah, according to our soil test, we saw... um, we needed sulphur and boron, so um, just doing urea um, at 40 kilos and three litres of N-boost, and then we're adding five kilos of sulphur um, and boron to the mix as well. And we haven't really put solid fertiliser on that farm. We've found everything's, the pH was low and everything was locked up there. So we've done lime, heaps of lime over two years, and the pH is now closer to seven and the farm's still growing well, and the soil test is showing that we don't really need to put any, any bulk fertiliser on. So would you in future then be putting the likes of lime through the town fed? Have you tried to do that yet or not? Haven't yet tried it, but really keen, really keen to, to keep, yeah, keep that calcium going on with the town fed. Um, do have a few customers just out of habit. When we put urea on, we'll just chuck in lime flour. Even if it's only one to two kilos to the hectare, Every single piece of that two kilos is on your paddock somewhere, so um, and it's just been dribbled on nice and slow without doing any bulk applications. Yeah, so there's, it's been used. There's there's very little leaching or very little volatilisation that happens when you do it that way. It's the little and often sort of scenario that we espouse. Moving into the contracting world, then obviously uh, you've mentioned about the boom sprayer and and mixing in with mixing tanks and not having mixing tanks and all that sort of thing. How has how has the tow and fit, I guess, enabled you to sort of improve the process of, of that application of that uh, liquid foliar product? Just outright um, output, 
and and ease of use. Um, the, the farmers appreciate when you come in and, and if they've got a good water source and you know 15 minutes you've got everything in the tank you're in and out of the paddocks we can be yeah one and a half hours to get on our load mixed in and out of the farm so they appreciate that they're not having to wait around all day or open gates and 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 sort of have someone on their farm in amongst you know it's, it's busy it's busy on a dairy farm so does it take much convincing for these people or are they contacting you already with their mind changed in terms of the foliar application methodology it's hard to say yet it's there's a lot of word of mouth uh, if you see the neighbor doing it they they sort of want to know what's happening and and when they look across the fence they can see the difference as well so and what what differences are you seeing that they see uh just just really good strong growth and also probably the uh, economics and then they find out how how cheap it is to apply that way uh with a tow and fur we can per hectare be a lot less than a boom sprayer and does that translate so i guess where i'm coming from with this is we recently heard uh the application rates for solid products down south uh we're around the 11 12 13 dollar mark i've heard figures up here around the 15 dollar mark for solids uh, for a contractor using a tow and fert what sort of figures are we talking because i think that the per hectare figure might be more expensive but what you're suggesting is the overarching cost of it is actually becomes cheaper is that correct Yes, yes. So we, we just charge a hectare rate uh, for a what we call a single product. So if we just go and say urea, we are at a $25 a hectare. And then as the products get added, the rate goes up slightly. Um, 25 and 30s, you're, you know, quite an intensive mix. So how does that translate then into what you just mentioned, which was a cheaper, a cheaper sort of application method? Typically in this area, a boom spray is 35 to $40 a hectare, and then the work rate wouldn't be as high as a tow and fert as well. So we're one of the machines that could get the work done and keep the cost to the farmer down, and then it works for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the advantage as well is that you're able to get on multiple products at once. So we're not having to pull in different applicators to apply different products. Um, and, and you also mentioned and touched on prior that uh, you used to run into a few issues with the clogging up an application uh, through the boom sprayer and the, the, uh, the mixing stations and things. Um, what sort of products were you seeing that you couldn't apply through those uh, boom sprayers? Um, we were putting copper into a mix, cobalt, uh, boron, we had a lot of trouble. Um, even if you think you've got it mixed, by the time you turn the pump off for half an hour or an hour, go and spray a loadout, come back, you couldn't get it all suspended again, it would be sitting on the bottom of the tank. And you might have a good day and then you get to the bottom of the tank and then the whole lot ends up in your sprayer. Um, yeah, big, big issues. Yeah, and you mentioned that you even thought about putting rosettes on, on the boom sprayer to try and help with that and alleviate that. You ultimately decided against that. Why was that? Well, being a contractor, come springtime, we've got a lot of other work to do with a sprayer. So it was either buy another sprayer, especially to put on fertilisers, or use something that's been built for that. So that's where the tow and fert came in. Yeah, good stuff. And how did you find the tow and fert when you did find it? Um, one of my workers actually looked it up and he was having trouble with a sprayer and so yeah he, he sort of touched on it with me and then once I'd done a bit of research yeah I was, I was quite keen to see one. 
Good stuff. So now, as far as your client base goes, um, you know, how many farms are you looking after? And give us an indication of the mix of products that you're applying for them. So we're sort of at the moment. It is growing all the time, and it's not. Um, not. It's not all our existing customers. We're picking up new customers all the time, um, and we're, we're we're quite happy to travel. And uh, we put a high speed tractor in front of it, so we can get around. We try and group the areas a little bit, so we can do a day up north and a day south. And the mixes generally, at the moment, have been predominantly urea, um, and we've been adding small things to the urea uh, according to the customer's um, requirements you know and a lot of them once I've seen the time fit on the property they're the ones getting on and doing the research about what they can put in it um, and so they, they get quite excited about it too uh, which is which is good so we're getting phone calls all the time and should we try this or that so you've stopped short of offering advice yourselves then and you're relying on the customer to tell you what they what you what they want you to put in it yeah, we yeah a little bit yeah. So I'll have a look as well, and then we'll, we'll sort of get our put our heads together and come up with something and bounce ideas around, and and we're all we're all for trying trying anything. Um, so yeah, there, and there's a lot of products out there, and it's pretty hard to say does it work or does it not work because I think they all work. It's sometimes not quantifiable. Yeah, and sometimes it comes down to the management of the machine, doesn't it, and, and how you operate it and that sort of thing. And that's a learning curve in itself. So on that front, you know, have you been able to train your workers to uh, to, to drive and, and run the machine and all that sort of thing? That's been a fairly easy process? Yeah, yeah, very simple, very simple. Um, there's just a, a few little tricks that you learn on the way, um, and, and you need to almost make those mistakes to learn, and then you know how to avoid that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes just the order of mixing on on some some specific mixes. Um, we learned a big one with molasses. You do not put the molasses in first. Oh yeah. So why is that? What's that lesson <laughs> um, for us? If if you're using any any live biologicals, uh, they they start growing straight away. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's like uh, like like a brew coming at the top of your tank. And I've I've done it twice accidentally the second time and. Have have learnt the lesson the hard way. Yeah, it 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 just starts spewing at the top, and it doesn't stop until you, <laughs> until you start getting rid of some of it. So, what's the workaround for that then? Molasses and last. Molasses and last. <laughs> uh, fair enough too. Good stuff. Yeah, there's a few little rules like that that I think people do find out over time, but uh, um, that's good stuff. So what's your sort of plans now looking forward? Um, I think you were pretty much probably from memory the first in this area to be contracting with the Tow and Furt. Particularly, you're still the first with the bigger of the machines, but there is another one or two, I think, that are getting into it and the smaller machine size of it. What's your sort of plans for the future? Future in terms of how you're going to use the tow and fit. Yeah, we're looking to grow the business in the tow and fit side. Um, it's there's a lot more people looking to go that way now. Um, fertilizers getting really expensive, and there's a lot more knowledge around biologicals. And I, I think the biological route is going to explode. Um, we've seen some pretty good results of going that way, and actually cutting that synthetic end down quite considerably. Um, Fertiliser is not going to get any cheaper, so it's looking to go that way. 
So even if it did get cheaper, though, what you're suggesting perhaps is that, uh, in fact, people are really ready to, to sort of make the change away from these these commercial fertiliser products, these these uh, fossil fuel-based products, I suppose you might say as well. And that's certainly the feeling that we get around, uh, around the farmers that we talk to as well. So um, as far as soil health goes, then, if we just look at that, how do you approach a new client? Are you, are you going out onto farm? You mentioned some soil tests from your own farm. Are you testing... Uh, or helping them test or are they testing and coming to you with the test and saying that this is what I need? How does that sort of go and work? No, we're not really trying to get out and be your agronomist. Um, we, we, we are a contractor. Uh, we can offer advice, but we, we do use uh, people in the industry who, who do know about it and um, we, we tend to side with them. Um, so we do a lot of work with Donaghy's with the Enboost and we help them, they help us. It's, it's a good relationship. We're working with KiwiFert um, and David Law uh, on the total replacement therapy and, and that's where the machine really came in to start with was getting, getting those mixes on because they just do not work through a sprayer too well. So. so when you say total replacement, can you just elaborate on that for us? Uh, it's a complete system to near eliminate synthetic nitrogen okay. yeah and it involves uh, what um using a product the first product is terogen it's um comes from australia mm-hmm. it's a live biological product it's it's putting putting the bugs into your ground and then the rest of the brew is to feed those bugs as well as getting some um, trace elements on for your soil as well Okay, and you've seen results coming from that, have you? Have, yeah. Yes, everyone that's started on it has not stopped. Is so that right? that's that's a good good sign. That's testament to it, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and we've we've also done twenty five hectares on our ninety three hectares as a trial, and that, that we've done it on three soil types over three blocks on the farm. So, so we're trying the sandy and on the the ash on the hills and on the clay as well, and those paddocks. They're not the best paddocks on the farm, but they're not the worst. So going out and digging holes is where, where we see the difference. Um, we had a lot of trouble with root depth and the ryegrass just not getting its roots down. And, and you get out and dig holes and that's where you see. And if the roots are down deeper, you're, you're safer in the summer. Your cows aren't pulling the grass out. And with showing soil tests um, under a microscope, you can see lot more fungi um, in the ground so and those paddocks have only had uh, three applications out of 40 kilos of in a year so yeah okay so there's still a long way to ride in terms of um, where you can go with that yes yep yep absolutely awesome so in terms of the machine then and the operability you've got quite the yard out here and obviously some guys working for you what's your sort of um, usability in terms of the maintenance that you might do on the machine and um, things like that have you had to have you had to do any yet you've only had it for nine months but uh, how's that sort of uh, worked for you uh grease grease (laughs) (laughs) pretty simple isn't it just put grease in it yeah Yep, yep, you have made a couple of little changes yourself to it just because of your terrain and and stuff like that to make it fit your machine better. So, oh yes, yeah. so yeah, we um, uh, we've converted the booms to hydraulic um, and put them on one spool each, so we can pull one side in if need be, mm-hmm. one out, and you know I have run across the top of a hill with one boom out just to shoot it down the side. Um, and farmers, yeah, they can see the sidelings where we've gone and put 
product over the side where it generally doesn't usually get anything. We've shortened the front down a little bit to, to match the fast track and we're pulling off a pickup hitch so we're pulling from nice and close into the axle. Just trying to make less of a mess, um, especially you know, it's pretty wet. So the last thing we want to do is drive onto a farm and leave ruts and, and marks everywhere. Um, aside from that, we're running a track map um, looped into the system so and that's just an add-on so it's much very very much a standard tow and fert um, we're looking at raising the booms a bit higher just to account for our terrain mm -hmm. um, we're knocking a few nozzles off and they're easily replaced which is good so yeah yeah can't see us doing too much more with it no good good and i mean that you're right about the nozzles and things basically anything plastic on those booms is pretty much designed to be breaking rather than uh, any of the metal bending um, which is preferable you can pop down to your local plumbing store or uh, uh, bunnings and, and pretty much buy the replacement parts if you want to yeah or you can give us a ring at Tarnford as well so so with your contracting chris um are you only just doing pasture or you've gone out into crops and stuff as well and haven't really touched on that too much yet we were keeping it very much just fertiliser and then we have started putting agrochemical through um, uh, last late spring or almost summer. We were doing some Flumet and 2,4-D with urea and that customer just did the worst parts of their farm just to see how it went and then they have called back and said look we'll, we'll just do the whole farm this, this time around. Yeah. Um, so the results are very good. Through the winter we've just been spraying 2,4-D ester just adding that to it. We'll have a look at the cropping side a bit later. I have had a go at just chucking some grass seed with a bit of DAP through it in our front paddock in the in late summer and then that dry period just to see what happens and and it did work because I put an Italian over uh, annual uh, perennial ryegrass paddock so <laughs> you can see it. Yep, see it. yep, yep. And have you done any of the sort of the, the plantain chicory clover seeds and, and that sort of thing? Uh, not yet, not yet. So we'll be looking to do that in the spring, um, tidying up pug paddocks, um, yeah, especially with a bit of grass seed and some clover. Chicories, we'll, we've got a couple of people interested in trying it, so yeah, we'll definitely give it a try. So Chris, a um, customer gets in touch with you for the first time and they're wanting to do sort of uh, to change the farm or they're interested in it but not quite prepared to take the leap. How do you approach that? So literally they're, they're inquiring from an interest point of view more than they are about come and do my farm. Pictures. Show them pictures and, and show them results. And because we, we're using it ourselves and we've got plenty of experience with it, um, as far even going right back to just biologicals only or trace elements or if you, if you just want to put urea on and use less of it and I've got plenty of people that would vouch for that as well and, and Waikato's not a big place so everyone knows everybody and if you say well he's doing it and they oh I know him I'll, mm -hmm. I'll just ring him yeah and that, that's often the easiest way, isn't it? That word of mouth factor is, yep. is as good yep. as sold. So, yeah, yep. mm, absolutely. No, good stuff. Chris, when you are asked by a farmer, you know, what to do and where to go to find something, what are you sort of generally telling them in terms of finding the products that they think they want? We, we put them on to the people that we use. Yeah. So um, we, we use a lot of Donaghy's product. So we put them on to Donaghy's if they want to just cut their urea back. And if they want to go biological, we put them on a kiwi fit. And most people are open to that. They're not too sort of embedded in with their uh, larger fit company or, or someone that they've used before. Good question. I think the <laughs> the younger generation are a lot more eyes open. Um, some of the older ones, they're just 
well, I did a soil test five years ago. We'll just put the same on every year. Um, and if you look at that, there's a lot of money being wasted that way. So I think, yeah, it's a bit of a mix. Some people are really, really keen to get into it, and and others take quite a bit of quite a bit of changing. I think you're right, and I think that's one thing we see with Toinford is that the inquiries often come instead of from the 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 farmer being the husband having to then go and talk to his wife. They're now coming from the son, who has to go and talk to the old man to make the changes. It's been an interesting change over the last sort of four years, at least, that I've been involved with it. That we've seen the younger generation really pushing these things along to say, "Hey, there's a better way of doing this. I've got to convince the old man first, uh, but you know." I want to look at it. So it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic that is definitely changing, and, and you know you're seeing those younger people start to lead the change, which is great. Yeah, I might add it, that they're all they're always looking for something, but they're just a little bit apprehensive to in, in case it doesn't work. Or um, I mean, these products are on the market because they work. It's just how can you measure it? Is you know the, um, if they've been using a product for thirty years you know it works and it's scary to change as well isn't it if you know something's working and you are looking at it and going well why should i change it's scary to then suddenly go well we're going to cut we're going to cut that by 50 percent. we're going to do it a different way we're going to save some money do a whole bunch of other stuff that's a heck of a leap to make so you can certainly understand why people find that tough yeah, i had a lady a lady say to me um when i was talking to her because her husband was quite apprehensive to change and she said to me the reason he's quite apprehensive to change is you're pretty much telling him he's farmed for 50 years the wrong way and that's the hardest mindset for him to get his head around is has he been doing it right for 50 years or are you trying to tell him now there's a better way and he should have changed years ago and that's hard for them to get their head around that. And I think the interesting thing with that, Mike, as well, is we heard that story on our South Island tour as well, didn't we, where um, it's it's not that we're telling you that you've done it wrong for 50 years because the accepted methodology was correct at the time. But as with anything, things move on, we learn more, we, we discover more as science improves and people uh, push the boundaries and all of a sudden things just naturally evolve and change. So it is important, I guess, that farmers uh, find that within themselves to be able to do that as well. Yeah, well, we we find if someone's on the fence and they want they want to change, but they're too scared to in case it costs them, um, it's just doing a quarter or half the farm and and just mark out the paddocks you're going to do, and just monitor them for two years. You can't do you can't change a soil in a year. You need two years. If it's taken thirty years to get to where it is now, two years is pretty fast to change something. Um, and it's as simple as digging holes. Yep. Test and measure. Comes back to the old test and measure. If you don't test it and you don't measure it, you don't know. And that's something we repeatedly hear. Yeah, absolutely. I think in Jeff Rutten's little uh, uh, podcast that we did with him down south, another contractor, Chris, uh, down there, he was all about the testing and measuring to certainly start the process with a new client. And we know that um, a number of farmers, Alan Marks in the Taranaki, Georgia Galloway down south, and many others uh, have done exactly that, that testing and measuring, observation of what's happening and what's changing, digging the hole, um, taking your herbage tests, all of those sorts of things, which are relatively easy to do and just relying on yourself rather than relying on a third party on so many levels as well so you mentioned before chris that you're uh, using track map within your uh, the cab obviously of what what, have, what are you towing the tone for it with 
Uh, we're towing it with a JCB 4220. And, and you've got obviously a track map in there. So how's that sort of streamlining things for you? Because I know there's there's quite a lot of integration there between track map, tow and fur, application, all that sort of thing and the precision of that and how that works with the, the client and invoicing and all that sort of thing. Can you kind of wrap that story up for us? So we've been running track map online uh, pretty much since they, they started that. And we, we only really run it on sprayers and spreaders. Um, so we have that proof of placement at the end of the job and it's linked into the section so it's as accurate as the computer and the screen or your screen in the cab. Um, we email the report to the customer and if they go as far as having their own account online as well, they can click on a paddock and see the NPK, see what's happened over the year. So everything's recorded there easy in front of them. Um, it keeps us just the guidance part is the, the, the biggest thing. It keeps us in the right place and minimising overlaps and, and getting the whole paddock covered as best we can. Yeah, and I guess it's, it's that uh, that proof of job, proof of placement, it's all of those sort of things, and it enables you as well, doesn't it, to actually invoice the client from basically the completion of the job. Is that correct? Is that how you're using it or not? Uh, you can, you can, but we, we're using a different system. Okay, so, right. yeah, yeah, but it is great uh, as far as that tracking we can see where the machines are what they've done you can see the the jobs you have placed on your phone or on the computer screen um, so it just it saves a lot of phone calls and 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 farmers can go and create a job online and it turns up on our screen with everything there ready to go so Chris, we've already touched on the fact that you're one of the first in the region running a tow and fit and contracting with it. Uh, we're coming into springtime now, you're obviously going to have a busy spring coming up, but what are you sort of looking and thinking moving forward for your tow and fit contracting business and, and Raymar Ag on that level? We're just being a little bit careful that we don't, don't push ourselves too far where we become unreliable to getting in and getting the job done. I mean, um, getting your nitrogen on in springtime in a timely manner is 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 super important um you don't want to miss that window so we, we don't want to oversell it ourselves to the point where yeah we're, we're not getting there in time and getting the job done so we're treating a little bit carefully but we're, we're taking the work on as we as we think we can we can get it done um i've had a couple of people sort of talk about how what if you can't get here and get my work done on time and and you get so busy it gets so popular and then the answer was we'll just buy another one um, and so winter time we've been busy enough but I think come spring we've got a lot of work booked in and, and we just want to make sure that we're a reliable contractor that's, that's what we pride ourselves on being is reliable and, and getting there on the day and getting the job done at the right time yeah, good stuff. So does that mean then that if I'm wanting to contact Raymar Ag to get a, sort of the process started that uh, you can't potentially fit me in this year or have you got capacity? Uh, definitely we have capacity. That's the reason we, we went and uh, put a fast track on the front of it. We can move quickly around the district. Um, it can move across the paddocks at a good speed and be comfortable and you can do it the next day because your back isn't wrecked. Uh, so our, we haven't really seen the full, full capacity of this tractor and machine yet. If I'm that farmer and I'm wanting to get in touch with you to book you in to come and uh, spray my farm, where and how would I get in touch with you? You can ring myself personally on 021 or you can look at our website and get email address 
and get a bit of info from that on www.raymerag.co.nz. So Raymer spelled R-E-Y-M-E-R-A-G dot co dot nz that's raymerag.co.nz and then your phone number again chris 021-942121 great and that's for sort of areas where stretching from where to where in the north and the south and the east and the west we're pushing the boundary all the time uh, that tractor can get around so quickly and we do group group our jobs into areas so we we can move into an area for a couple of days um we're sort of going up to Orini in the north and Otrahonga in the south and east, out pushing out past Cambridge. I have been to Tokoroa, so yeah, it, it, you know, it just depends on the job. But we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at anything. Good stuff. So there you are. If you're wanting to get in touch with Chris, then please do so. Operating out of the central Waikato area of Parongia. In fact, would you call that central Waikato? Probably. Probably more western. Western Waikato. There we go. Um, get in touch with Chris. He'll be able to help you out if you're wanting to trial some uh, tow and folio application. And uh, he'll be able to get, get in touch with you. Um, Chris, thank you very much for your time today. We certainly appreciate you giving up uh, the hour. And uh, to Mike, thank you. Uh, that's it from this episode of Furt Focus. So from all of us at Tone Furt, thank you for listening and over and out. Mm-hmm.